So I'm watching Cruella. Mm-hmm. I'm actually midway through. I paused it so for for this episode, and then I'm going to go back after we finish recording. <laughs> okay, do you what, want what's what that? happens? How, do you do you want any spoilers? Or are we going to go spoilers right off the bat? Well, Reg already spoiled it from for me anyway when he noted that Dalmatians kind of murder Cruella's mom. Oh yes, yes. But yeah, um, the way Joyce is reacting is like that wasn't a spoiler. I was gonna do. <laughs> <laughs> which is like that's like the major the major plot twist, isn't it? I, actually, you know what? That spoiler happens within the first ten minutes of the film. I'm not surprised. Yeah, so it's um, there's still a major plot twist that happens in the end uh, that I read about already. I haven't gotten there yet, but um, but the thing is, is that. No, no Dalmatians was harmed in the making. <laughs> I mean, I in, the, in this in this fictional world, not in the making of this movie, in this fictional world. So, she didn't get, or Cruella wasn't getting um, vengeance for from the Dalmatians. It was from the owner of the Dalmatians. So she um, she fought back against the owner of the Dalmatians. And truly, Cruella is like the, you know, underdog with her with her scrappy friends, Horace and Jasper. These are good dog puns. You're and they're laying them on very well. <laughs> and uh, and and they uh, they're like this little family of thieves with her with her own dog buddy and and Horace's dog whose name I can't remember. And yeah, and the the baddie in this movie is actually Emma Thompson. That's the spoiler. Wow, how does that so, happen? <laughs> it's less Cruella de Evil and more like Cruella de, like de Justified. Kind of, yeah. But um, but I mean, they kind of set it up for a second one where it all goes it all goes downhill for her. Um, the so the spoiler spoiler is that she was always kind of a mischievous child with a bit of a cruel streak, and she got expelled. And so her mom went to um, a baroness for help that she used to work for. And the spoiler is that the baroness is actually Cruella's. Uh, her name's Estella in the movie. Um, Cruella's her alter ego. So whenever she gets to be too mischievous, her mom says, Cruella's not invited. And um, mm. yeah. And uh, uh, her mom went to the baroness to ask for financial assistance with, with, um, Cruella schooling and uh and then the Dalmatians kind of chase her mom off the hill uh which was which uh, which Cruella had a bit of a hand to play in that in that whole segment and um and then it turns out that the Baroness Emma Thompson is actually her birth mother and her mom was this um maid in the in the house in like Hellman Hall that um that the Baroness owns and the Why maid. Why does it sound like the crown? <laughs> yeah, it really does. <laughs> and it's the maid who raised Cruella. And um, I thought and the twist was going to be thing. that Cruella can only wear Dalmatian fur. She has a severe allergy to every single <laughs> fabric, textile, whatever, yeah. except mm-hmm. for except for Dalmatian. That would be. So- that would be quite a find. Like, what gonna... would she be wearing until she finds out that she's not? She's just to she's in total part. agony every minute before <laughs> finally Dalmatian skin. I was gonna guess that she was a Wearmation, and it was you know Clock Strikes Midnight oh, transforms and she into, turns a, into a, a werewolf a were... Dalmatian. <laughs> That'd be. I mean, that would be a different different take. <laughs> That'd be an interesting twist. An interesting. It'd be like twist one indeed. movie to another movie. 
Well, from one episode you go from to the Disney next, to Steve Wolf. an interesting yeah. twist. I'm hosting this episode, whatever that means Big for twist. us. Big H- twist. Hosting the Watchmen, this podcast that you're listening to with Matt and Joyce. Welcome, everyone. Hello. Hello. So this uh, this episode, we're going to be talking about something completely unrelated to anything we've discussed this far. <laughs> and a movie that's completely unrelated to this year, or last, or a few years prior. We're talking about a movie called The Nice Guys. I think a movie that was really widely overlooked in the year it came out, which was 2016, five-year anniversary. We watched it, and you'll hear how we enjoyed it after the news. Please listen carefully. All right. We're now approximately 445 days, or about 2,670 viewings of the Snyder Cut, into the global pandemic. And finally, we have some actual box office news to discuss. Paramount's A Quiet Place, Part 2 topped the U.S. Memorial Day long weekend with a hefty $57 million take. That includes $47.4 million over the Friday to Sunday, which is essentially tied with A Quiet Place's debut three years and one whole pandemic ago. So even if at-home workouts, puzzles, and baking sourdoughs have long gone stale, it seems interest in the long-delayed John Krasinski-directed Emily Blunt starring horror flick hasn't. Impressive stuff from Jim from The Office and his real-life Pam. Yeah, I'm yeah. I'm kind of, uh, I mean, I guess this is because America's pretty vaccinated or not caring anymore. I mean, <laughs> that they're willing to go to theaters. I don't know when uh, when Canada numbers will take yeah. off, but I have heard good things about A Quiet Place, too. So there's that. Yeah, yeah. I have heard good things as well. I will see it, I think, especially the it. lack of theatrical viewing over the last however many Snyder cuts I said. Um, <laughs> definitely entices me to go back but i mean from people i've been reading online it's just positive for the film business that people are ready to go back to theaters and see things that are long overdue so looking forward to things like black widow um even f uh, furious nine or whatever that movie's called mm-hmm. um, and then going even further forward for like dune and stuff if people wanted to see it before the pandemic, especially these big tent poles, I think they will come back yeah. to see it after. Did you do the Snyder math? Like, is it really, does that amount of time equal? Approximately, yes. The Snyder wow, math. good job. So the number one rule, never trust the Snyder math, but someone fact-checking at home, I don't know how you even reach us. Send us, <laughs> send us a pigeon. All right. <laughs> Continuing at the box office. Rarely in this day and age does Disney play second fiddle to anyone, but this weekend saw their latest live-action cash-in, uh, I mean film, Cruella, open to a meh $26.5 million holiday weekend haul. Even with spotty, get it? Filmation. Get it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, spotty numbers. Let's not forget this is Disney after all, and they'll continue to rake it in somehow. In this case, with $30 Disney Plus streaming rentals and probably an eventual Vivian Westwood inspired merch collection to debut at hot topic. That'll probably do it. Has mm-hmm. Disney bought hot topic yet? Uh, their world domination would hardly be complete without it. They're just going to buy everything. Um, mm-hmm. Buy it all. I'm okay. glad we talked about this preamble. So yeah. not much to say well, more about that other than did you did rent it then on streaming, right? Joyce. That's right. Okay. You're part I'm of you're, you're, you're part of history now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right, onwards to news that we all desperately wish was a joke. Todd Phillips is officially working on a screenplay for a Joker sequel. I'll oh, give you all a moment. On. So unfortunately, it's not a surprise that after earning over a billion dollars at the box office and an Oscar, don't forget, a sequel mm-hmm. would be in the works. 
to, you know, villainously make even more money. As of yet, there has been no word on whether Phillips will return behind the camera or Joaquin Phoenix in front of it. However, scarce details around the plot suggest that the film will follow the story of former cop Ryan O'Connor, played by Vin Diesel, as he is called upon to bust a dangerous criminal, also played by Vin Diesel, while recruiting the help of a former childhood friend and street racer who has a chance to redeem himself. Also played by, you guessed it, yeah. Vin Diesel. It's titled, <laughs> To Joke, To Err. <laughs> now, all Fast and Furious jokes aside, this may be the only way you could convince us to watch that Joker sequel. I think I'll watch it, just out of morbid oh. curiosity. I don't think I'll pay money for it, though. I'll watch it in, you know, in ways... Yeah, there's people yeah. tweeting about it, and um, I think somebody made a joke tweet saying that the movie would star four jokers. Mm. But I think there's actual truth behind the fact that there may be multiple jokers in this movie. Into the Joker verse, yeah. yeah. I think is this the movie? Was Joker also nominated? I this fuzzy memory is coming back where um, Parasite won Best Picture, and then there was a bunch of, like, dudes on YouTube who just, like, lost their minds because they thought that Joker was <laughs> supposed to be the one to win. I think that's the one. Joaquin Maybe. Phoenix did win. Yeah, but it was for, for Best Picture, I mean. for Yeah, for actor he won, but not, yeah. the, not the film. I mean, people yeah. get... People get mad, but, I mean, now it's all parodied that people thought mm -hmm. this was, like, some amazing movie. I did yeah. finally get around to watching it, and overall, it was not very good. <laughs> Except for, I, I think the only really standout part was the Robert De Niro talk uh, talk show sequence. But besides did, the points, I just don't know how they can make a sequel to it. Like, where do you mm -hmm. go? Do you just make, you know, Batman Dark Knight Returns? The like, what do you what do you do? How do you make this work? I don't know. Yeah, because there would be no Batmans in it. It would just be Jokers doing Jokerish things in Gotham, I guess. Cracking. He had some kind of encounter, I remember. Joker had some kind of encounter as like, not as Joker as his, his you know, person. Um, <laughs> Arthur Fleck. <laughs> right, right. He had an encounter with somebody in the bathroom. I think it was his, was it his father? Oh, I don't know about that. And his, then, supposed, his supposed, his supposed, father, the, yeah, the, the, the person that uh, his mom worked for. Yeah. Oh, that's a that's a. It was was it not Alfred? Yeah, he meets no. Alfred. Sorry, that's in front of like Wayne Manor, no, and Batman meets, is there. He, yes. No. What's a what's Bruce Wayne's dad's name? Oh yeah, uh, I don't know. I will fact check this on the spot. Mister Wayne. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Please Anyways. call me Batman. Mr. Wayne Thomas. is my father. Thomas. Yeah. Thomas. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Thank you. But mm -hmm. he dies at the end of the movie because, you know, you have to see that happen. Yeah. It has to. Yeah. It has to be there. Yeah. Anywho, finally, some supervillain news you might actually want to hear about. Huh. Aaron Taylor Johnson of Kick Ass, Godzilla, and Tenet, our last episode, if you want to go re listen mm -hmm. to that fame. Uh, is and and also, um, oh. oh, shoot. What's his name now? Wanda's Wanda's brother. Yes, he is also Wanda's brother from Age Pietro. of Pietro. Yeah. Pietro. Well, Pietro. Aaron Taylor Johnson is returning to Marvel and is set to star in a new solo movie about the Spider-Man villain Craven the Hunter. Mm. So, who exactly is Craven the Hunter? Well, 
Wikipedia tells me, Craven is one of Spider-Man's longest standing foe slash friends. Yeah, one of those. And <laughs> debuted back in the Spider-Man issue number 15 in 1964. Of course. Also, Craven is the half-brother of the chameleon, who is different from the lizard, I guess. That's, that's, that's probably a wrench question. And he is one of the founding members of the supervillain team, the Sinister Six. Ooh. Crazy what a supervillain needs to have on their CV to get a gig these days. Oh, okay. This point about the Sinister Six reminds me. Rumor has it that in the upcoming Spider-Man movie, Spider-Man No Way Home, which is slated for release this December, the lead villain will be none other than Willem Dafoe's Green Goblin. Ooh. Wow. Mic drop on that news. Bit. Wow. Wow. That'd be kind of fun, no, will actually. Will it be Willem Dafoe? Yes. Wow. Which, to me, is just insert that gif of, uh, of uh, Al Pacino from Godfather Part 3. You know the one. We'll put the <laughs> clip in here. I'll, I'll get the clip. Just when I thought I was out, they pull me back in. So yeah, that that's my reaction every time. <laughs> I mean, yeah, uh, it, man, Willem Dafoe was the Green Goblin like what twenty years ago? Twenty more than twenty years ago? I'm gonna look. What two thousand three? Yeah, two thousand three. Yeah, let's see. Sounds about right. Yeah, so he'll be a grizzled Green Goblin, grizzled. which I like. The Gray Goblin. The Gray perhaps. Goblin. Yes. Um, Willem Dafoe. Goblin the gray, Goblin the white. You know that that old thing. Yes, Goblin. When he gets killed by the Balrog. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, we we you all remember that. Uh, two thousand two. So. Ah, two thousand two. Almost twenty years. It'll be twenty years. It'll be a twenty year anniversary when it comes out. Anyways, that makes me excited. Obviously, um, who knows. It all ties together. Maybe Aaron Taylor Johnson will appear in one of these movies eventually, but maybe it's a separate thing, similar to how Venom is a separate thing. I didn't look into it that deeply. Good. Because that's what we do here on The Watchmen. Anyways, mm-hmm. let's uh, roll a trailer for this funny movie that we're about to talk about. It's my husband. He's gone missing. Missing? I'm terribly worried. It's just Fred's never been gone this long before. How long has he been missing? Since the funeral. Well, I can start right away. You're a private investigator? My profession is very complicated, okay? It's nuanced. That is a lot. That's a lot of blood. You beat people up and charge money? Sad, isn't it? How much would you charge to beat up my friend Janet? What? How much you got? 20 bucks. That's good. This conversation no is over. The mob is trying to spread its operation to Los Angeles. Somehow, my daughter Amelia is involved. Please find her. You've seen this girl? Who's in it for me? Oh, we can do this the easy way. No! We're currently doing it the easy way. Whatever happened to offering me 20 bucks? It's the recession. This is a high profile case. Made the newspapers. Amelia. What the hell's going on? Oh, you know, there's a guy coming to kill us. That kind of crap. Hey, can you behave like a professional? I'm sorry. She's in danger, man. We have to do something about it. She's dead. She's not dead. She's dead. She's not dead. Why are 
anything everyone involved with this case was dying. This is not you. You're not a murderer. You just killed three people. I know, but I'm saying deep down. Look, if you come in here, you beat up on me. It's part of the job, I accept it. But what did you do? You pissed me off. Before we go solving the crime of the century, let's deal with the rotting corpse. I got a plan. Run. Okie dokie. The Nice Guys. 2016 film. Directed by Shane Black. Written by Shane Black. Starring Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling. Very fun, fun movie. Fun to see Very Russell Crowe in something that where he's not singing. Or and it's <laughs> fun to ha it's fun to watch him kind of be playful too. Yeah, this one. So even I, though he's the straight man in this one, <laughs> can't remember exactly how it came up, but uh, five year anniversary for this movie. Think about Ryan Gosling a lot lately. Thinking where has Ryan been? I think mm -hmm. the last thing he was in was the Neil Armstrong biopic first man by the guy who made la la land uh which is a good movie but i was thinking about about him and what he's been in lately and uh, a couple of his movies have had anniversaries so five-year anniversary for nice guys mm -hmm. 10 year anniversary for drive which uh most people listening would probably know is one of my favorite movies anyways no, i have a confession sam yes i've never watched it it's a good movie yeah I, I yes. great soundtrack it. yeah yeah definitely Story. one of the most I would say iconic sound. It's both a soundtrack and a score. There's great moments in both both categories. Mm -hmm. But anyways, the nice guys. I think yeah, this movie. I don't remember if I saw it right when it came out, but I remember the first time seeing it. It it shocked me how good it was. Just in its, it, the humor just landed perfectly for me. It's a real kind of vintage vibe, which I mean, I think Shane Black, who we would know best for. Uh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, 2005 movie with Robert Downey Jr. and Val Kilmer, which I just watched. Maybe I'll come up a little bit in this conversation. And then he directed and I think wrote or co-wrote Iron Man 3, mm -hmm. which maybe we collectively agree might be the best of the three Iron Mans. Except, I think so. I mean, the first one gets credit for you know being the first, but yeah. Iron yeah. Man 3 gets credit for being, I think, the most interesting character that yep. Robert I... Downey Jr. actually gets to play in the series. Yeah. Um, he's also... Shane Black, probably best, best known for writing Lethal Weapon. Mm -hmm. um, so he pretty much single-handedly reinvented the buddy cop movie. Let's not forget and, 2018 Predator. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's ironically, right. I would say The Nice Guys might be one of my favorite movies of the last, I don't know, we'll say the last 10 years, why not? Whereas mm -hmm. uh, The Predator or whatever that horrible remake was is easily one of my least favorites <laughs> so there you go Shane. he's a polarizing Poppins. figure yeah very polarizing <laughs> but i think generally this movie is anything but polarizing i think it's a really even though it's kind of despicable and i think joyce you kind of were mentioning in in our uh discord chat that it's kind of a gross movie yeah it's also like wildly entertaining and fun at the same time which is i kind of think exactly what line he's trying to toe with it mm-hmm 
So I guess to set up the movie, it's really, really pretty basic. It's uh, Russell Crowe, who plays pretty much the straight man in this in this movie, is kind of like a heavy for hire in 19, late 1970s L.A. And he gets wrapped up in a mysterious case with Ryan Gosling, who's like a down-on-his-luck drunk detective mm-hmm. who stumbles upon clues more than... You know, and a questionable, clues. questionable single dad. Very questionable single dad with like a great, great kid. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. Uh, antics ensue, and they go on a twisting, bending, conspiracy-driven case, looking for clues, and uh, laughter and violence ensue galore. Anyways, oh. Matt, some early thoughts, specific thoughts. You know, I first of all, great movie and very enjoyable, very funny, tremendous performances. And yeah, Shane Black is really capable and you can see that when he makes this movie. But I just loved the period piece part of it that it's, you know, um, the feel of that sort of like uh, Los Angeles and uh, the whole the whole like CD porn industry that they're going through, which gave me some like big Lebowski vibes uh, still throughout yeah. just the way that the characters are dressed. And um, I, I don't know. I, I enjoyed so many aspects of it. It was a really easy watch. Like it's well, I rented it for like five bucks or whatever. Very easy for everyone to do. I don't think it's on streaming anywhere. Um, and I think, yeah, like Russell Crowe gives a tremendous performance. I thought he really fell into that character. Um now I, I don't really know what else to say. It's a great movie. People should watch it. Um, they had that guy from the from Community plays one of the sort of like other rival bad guys. Uh, I can't remember his name. I'll look it up. But yeah, it's a great movie. I was gonna I was gonna add in there with the period piece aspect. Even though it's set in 1977, I think. Um, and this movie came out obviously prior to, but this movie and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood are very similar vibe. Oh, yeah. That's very true. Even yeah. so far as Margaret Qualley, who plays the kind of missing porn actress in this one that they're chasing down. Yeah. Um, she obviously appears uh, in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood as the the Manson drifter hippie who seduces Brad Pitt and brings him back to Spawn Ranch. That's oh, interesting. I didn't catch that. Yeah. yeah. And I got, like, even though it's a different time period, it just has a lot of similarities between the movie between the two movies i mean focusing kind of on this buddy dynamic between kind of a down and out person and the kind of heavy hitter where brad pitt and russell crowe would kind of take on a similar kind of character mm-hmm. in this one and just sort of like whereas tarantino is more interested in the late 60s western thing like matt saying this is more interested in like cd underground porn scene <laughs> <laughs> which is an interesting diversion, but they, they have a, a lot of similarities. And I think it just kind of, even between Tarantino and Shane Black, they have a similar sense of humor yeah, and a similar interest in subverting your expectations with genre tropes, right? Yeah. You know what my favorite part was in terms of the jokes? It's near the end when they're at the, like the big... Um like gala or whatever and they're trying to get the film ready. the motor show you mean yes the, <laughs> the motor, show. show. motor show and um so you know they're random. trying to get to the projectionist room or whatever and um ryan gosling's character chats up or maybe it was maybe it was russell crowe's chats up those group of like seedy porny looking guys 
and like projectionists yeah he's like where do we find (laughs) where do we find like this projection this film or whatever and he's like you know eventually they tell him and he's walking away and he's like thanks buddy and the guy's like how did he know my name was buddy (laughs) (laughs) i just thought that's a funny like that's one of those clever things where it's like it didn't need to be in there but because it was it was just so much funnier yeah yeah i find that's like yeah like the the non sequiturs and the the banter in this movie are what make it so enjoyable and that's where the chemistry between ryan gosling and uh russell crowe really shines i think what do you think that actually that's what my favorite part is that banter between russell crowe and ryan gosling i mean both actors are i mean they're both of them are really good dramatic serious actors right like they um they can hold their own and this seems like this seems like summer camp like this movie was summer camp where they can just relax and have fun and like you know phone it in just a little but um but still have a lot of fun with it and it's still a really stellar performance um i really like that it was unpredictable i mean i watched this movie before i watched it on the plane actually and um and this whole time they've set up they've set up thinking that you're never going to find that missing porn star until the very end of the movie like that's kind of the trope that you get with these types of movies right where they finally find her and that's the end of the movie. And I like that midway through, spoiler alert, I guess, midway through, she just like very unceremoniously gets shot and dies. Yeah. By, and, by yeah, John and, Boy. Like, yeah and, um, and I mean, John Boy's, the whole, like they kind of subverted that idea of John Boy is in any other movie would keep getting foiled by people trying to find her and kill her. But this one, she just stumbles into his car and then he, he shoots her and like, He's like well, mission accomplished. <laughs> yeah. I also, I mean, um, and talking about like subverting expectations a bit. One thing that I liked that it did was it made Ros- Ryan Gosling's character actually a good detective. Like he actually could figure these things out. Yeah, he's like a hustler and he's trying to get mm-hmm. the most money and everything like that. But like he does know what he's doing. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. I also sorry, on, no, I also I really like um the smart teenager. Like I like that they do, I mean they um they underestimate her a little just because they don't want to her they don't want her to be a part of anything that's just unseemly. But um but they actually do listen to her. And so I kind of like that where she's part of the team oh yeah i was thinking throughout this entire thing that any future film where there are child actors or child characters just give the script to shane black and be like can you please touch this up because all the kids in the movie are hilarious yeah and like i just i can't tell if it's because he writes their dialogue just like as if they're adults (laughs) but it's just so much funnier coming from a kid which isn't Mm -hmm. like a new shtick but like the way he handles kids even in like um going back to iron man 3 um the kid that i can't remember if it's the same kid who got famous after room i think it's the same the same guy who was the kid at the beginning of this movie right who finds his dad's like hustler magazine under the bed and then like misty mountains misty mountains (laughs) anyways i think it's the same kid um anyways like he plays the kid's characters so well right like they're relatable in sort of like a nostalgic way if less of a realistic way and Mm -hmm. also hilarious like Mm -hmm. they're always a great foil because the adults in his movies are so childlike in their own imbecile like imbecile i don't know imbecility that's not a word whatever (laughs) yeah imbecilic nature 
that the kids end up looking like the geniuses, right? Even when it doesn't work, like I loved that bit when the teenager like wheeled the room service card into the hotel room and then she threw the coffee at, um, I don't remember the, I don't remember that character's name, but yeah, yeah. And, um, and then she just looks at her and says, why did you throw cold coffee at me? And, and Ryan Gosling compliments her like, that was great. Like, great effort. (laughs) Good idea. But that's a perfect encapsulation of like the entire way this movie works is she throws the cold coffee. It doesn't work. She takes a step and slips in the puddle Mm -hmm. and gets knocked out and is like out of the, out of, they're out of danger. And everyone's Mm -hmm. just kind of like, oh, well, I guess, I guess that worked out. (laughs) <laughs> and that's the kind of the whole movie is like, oh, I guess that worked out. Yeah. Just until the movie ends. Like until you're halfway or maybe even more than halfway through the movie, you don't even have a bad, a, like a antagonist. Yeah. It's true. just a mystery. And you're kind of just led along by the chemistry of uh, the leads and just like the story itself is kind of meh. Like it's like you don't, you kind of care if they find um, Margaret Qualley's character. But you also don't really, and like the whole conspiracy element is more funny than it yeah. is compelling. Um, I was going to say like another comparison I had to Tarantino, I, I thought it very similar to like Pulp Fiction, where it's like you're made to really like these characters who are really just like despicable, mm-hmm. but they also, they all operate by some code. And I guess that was what also reminded me of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood as well as like your two main characters are kind of like watching the culture shift before their eyes and are, you know, sort of lamenting about the way things used to be, even though you're like, you guys were horribly unsuccessful in everything you've done, but they have some sort of like code of honor that they think doesn't exist anymore. And it was similar with Brad Pitt and Leo DiCaprio looking down upon, you know, like the hippie generation, (laughs) but you know, learn their lesson by the end of the movie type thing just a fact check for you ty simpkins is the name of the actor and he is Ah. the he is in both iron man 3 and nice guys thank you well well Um, done good good eyes you picked that yeah i was going to uh also comment i think if we're going over just like our favorite things i think one of the things of course this would be my favorite thing that shane black does well is like extraordinary violence for humor (laughs) <laughs> goes over perfectly in this movie like there's always there's the, these random insert shots of the collateral damage like people are shooting at each other and like you just randomly cut to like a random person getting shot which is yeah. not funny but it's made so funny it's like oh, oh the guy okay. at the party in the bear suit or or the t- big tree costume yeah. gets shot and you're just yeah. like this is absurd but I you know the, what the, part the oh funniest, sorry uh, just to wrap it up the funniest yeah. violence for humor moment to me is when you're getting introduced to Ryan Gosling's character and he's trying to break into that bar to get the, uh, the receipts to find out whatever information and he punches through the door and just slices his arm open. Yeah. <laughs> I was dying. Every time I watch it, that's such a funny moment. It's so shocking too. He's just bleeding yeah. gratuitously. Everybody's like d- dying in the back of the ambulance. So funny. <laughs> Fantastic. And he's just sitting in the wheelchair at the hospital. Just like, it's good stuff. Yeah. It's like sketch comedy to an extent. Yeah. Yeah. And what were you going to say, Joyce? Oh, there was the part that um, made me write to you guys, like, this movie's disgusting, like, <laughs> or it's kind of gross, is when um, Ryan Gosling's trying to save his daughter, 
from I think one of the one of the henchmen, and both of them go over. They go over the um, the balcony, and he lands in the pool, and the henchman lands like smack just on the. Uh, what what would you call it? Just on the ground, and it's this like gratuitous splat of of blood and and <laughs> you know like brain matter, I suppose. And like it's hideous, but it's but it's also hilarious. Like, and I don't know how, I don't know how he was able to find that balance because I'm not normally into that kind of thing. But like, but it was a shocking moment. <laughs> he does a great job of playing up the whole like like again he knows everyone's expectations with these types of movies. I mean, for mm-hmm. one part, he helped write them, like I said, like with Lethal Weapon and stuff. Like how many times does the hero escape and, you know, by sheer chance or, you know, movie magic, they survive when the the villain doesn't. Yeah. He's playing off of that just by showing you just how, like a bit of, not realism, but just reminding you that it's like, it could have easily been Ryan Gosling splatting, but it's not. Yeah, and it's yeah. like, we cheer when the bad guy splats, but you know, if it's our hero, but there's such a fine line between the two of them, they're really just doing the same, you know, dark job, but yeah. we're rooting for the one, you know, that yeah. movie's been following along. So yeah. I think it's a, it's a playful movie that, in that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there could be a whole other movie about how, Kim Bassinger's character is actually the good guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah exactly. What a crazy thing to see her in, in, a, in yeah. a movie. I was like, oh, yeah. Flashback. I've never seen it, but her and Russell Crowe were both in LA Confidential. Oh, right? yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I I've think never that seen was, one either, but yeah. There's a, obviously a lot of other like movie homages in this to like um, the whole sequence where Ryan Gosling is hallucinating in his exhaustion in the car. With Hannibal Burris. Yeah. Like it's with Han- Hannibal Burris playing the giant bee. Yeah. That's very um uh, uh what's the movie? Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Oh yeah. Maybe. Yeah, with the top open. Yeah. It, anyways, I thought that that's a great callback as well, where he tries to reach for his ankle gun. Yeah. In the like <laughs> climax in the climax. And as a viewer, you're like, great idea, do it. Cause you've forgotten as he's forgotten that it was a, all a dream. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. so funny. Yeah. It's a great it's a great little movie. And I think, uh, like I said, a bit of a bit of a shame that people didn't see it the first time. So I think, uh, like Matt said, this one's pretty easy to seek out. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's a great if you got a night and you just want to take it easy and not, uh, you know, unwind. I think it's a great one to do it with. You'll have some laughs. If life's giving you troubles, put on nice guys. <laughs> I, it's also just nice to watch an original movie that isn't a sequel or part of a giant universe. Like it feels like we mm-hmm. often are reviewing something that's like star Wars or, or MCU or yeah, uh, DC or true. something like that. It is yeah. nice to watch just a standalone movie that is its own thing. And I liked it. Yeah. Don't you get the sense though, that there's like, because they kind of set it up that they now have their own PI. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Business. So there's definitely a, a nicer guys out there. Oh yeah, that that could be made, which yeah. you know is now set in the '80s instead of the late '70s. Yeah, which would also be fun. Mm-hmm. Maybe when they need, you know, another summer camp moment. <laughs> yeah, porn was yeah. still strong in the '80s. So, yeah. yeah, now we're getting the yeah. We could get Mark Wahlberg back in there. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be good. The stuff. next thing that Ryan Gosling is doing, and you're right, Sam. The last thing he did was First Man in 2018. And um, and then he's doing The Gray Man, which is an action thriller film by Anthony and Joe Rousseau. 
Russo. Oh, the, the uh, Avengers dudes. They did like Endgame and Infinity Wars. They do a lot of Marvel movies. Yeah. And um, yeah, because I think they did they did Winter Soldier, right? Was that them? That was their yeah. insert into the Marvel Universe. Yeah. Um, but it's with Chris Evans. Hmm. And Billy Bob Thornton and um, Roger Jean Page, which everyone knows is the Bridgerton guy. Ah, <laughs> oh, the Bridgerton guy. The Bridgerton uh, guy, yeah. To, to detour a little further into Ryan Gosling, I was yeah. thinking about, um, so something I learned the other day about Ryan Gosling mm-hmm. um, is that he was originally Warner Brothers' dream cast for Jared Leto's Joker. Really? And he said no. Oh, you know, smart as he is handsome, that man. Yes. I I need to tell you a little bit about my, my, um, my fanning of of Ryan Gosling. It started with Breaker High and, and this is an embarrassing show, but I watched it. I watched all of it and I liked Ryan Gosling's character. And, and I just need to say that sometimes the bad, embarrassing teenage crushes turn out well. <laughs> <laughs> he's so, he's so like scrawny on Breaker High. If you watch that, yeah. he's like this little like pipsqueak guy. He wouldn't have thought. Yeah. Yeah. And you wouldn't have thought he would be the breakout star because there, there were two others who were the, you know, meant to be the main characters. And it's just, it's nice to see, yeah. you know, it's nice to see that the underdog that you liked you know, flourished. And isn't Breaker uh, High in, in their career? Isn't mm-hmm. Breaker High all set on a boat? Isn't that it's a, cr- it's like a high school cruise. Yeah. So like, yeah, yeah. I was also going to say, uh, thinking about Ryan Gosling, it is surprising and I guess admirable. I don't know mm-hmm. that at, at this point he hasn't caved, if we want to call it that, and mm-hmm. taken some role in a Marvel movie or what, what have you. Cause you've right. got to think with his A-list stat status he's mm-hmm. been offered mm-hmm. many I, I would assume or yeah. I don't know that's just something yeah. we I might feel, never know I feel the same about Leo too another another like you know mid 90s late 90s crush <laughs> from Wait, Romeo and Juliet yeah I, I, keep... I guess when I think about comparables to Ryan Gosling I think like a Jake Gyllenhaal type who you know yeah. thinks himself a serious actor takes on yeah. kind of a variety of roles but he's he you know he was in the last he was a Spider-Man he was villain. a Spider-Man villain he's true yeah he was yeah. also like the prince of persia are. before that though right like so yes right i forgot he's about no that. stranger i keep looking up people i'm like oh i wonder what shane black is working on and i'm like oh nothing since 2019 and then i look up ryan gosling and i was like oh nothing since 2019 i'm like oh yeah forgot. right yes <laughs> how strange mm-hmm. yes yeah there's a great little clip to play back in time uh to us in 2019 and then uh be like yeah hey, this is going to be you in two years saying nothing's happened since 2019 figure out <laughs> why i was i was gonna just uh, just to wrap it up with the mm-hmm. nice guys mm-hmm. i think i don't know if you had any uh i know matt you shared your most memorable line with the the buddy moment i'm kind of torn because there's so many great lines in that i think ryan gosling has pretty much the bulk of them that mm-hmm. that really cracked me up but there's the one where they go into the bar, uh, the hotel bar, I believe. That's um... oh no, this was it was the scene prior to him getting his wrist sliced open. And he goes into the bar and he's inquiring about the the girl that was drinking there, and he says, "What did she have to drink?" The bartender casually says, "Bourbon martini." And Ryan Gosling's <laughs> just like, "That's disgusting." <laughs> just, it's like, yeah, we're all thinking it, but that's just such funny writing, like to to yeah. have a brain that works that way. 
Yeah, it. it's really well yeah. done. Mm -hmm. Any last thoughts there, Joyce? Uh, no, I don't think I can think of any. Well, I guess my favorite line was the coffee and then, you know, Ryan Gosling's encouragement afterwards. Uh, I think that would have been my favorite moment, even though I can't quote it. I think I uh, really liked also not just the um, buddy comedy between Ryan Gosling and Russell Crowe, but also his rapport with the actress who plays his daughter. Mm -hmm. That was also really well done. So I think that that's my last thought of this is, um, yeah, yeah, her, her name is Anjuri Rice. And she definitely, this was a well-reviewed re film and she got lots of praise, which I think rightfully show. Yeah. So yeah. she's really funny. It's also mm -hmm. one of my favorite moments, just to do one more, is when mm -hmm. um, uh, he, he goes to throw the gun to Russell Crowe's character and he just throws it out the window by accident. Oh, yeah. And they're having the shootout with John Boy, like the very prolonged shootout with like machine guns and stuff in the street. And he just like goes to throw him. The guy just goes out the window. I thought that was pretty mm -hmm. fun. And I think um, uh, just as it comes to mind, we talked, I guess it would have been probably two episodes ago about um, uh, police story um, and about rush hour. And I think one. Like the thing that's cool about Nice Guys too is that it's an actual action, like it's an action comedy. Shane Black is a pretty good action director. Like the whole set piece at the end, um, where they're like, where Ryan Gosling's like chasing around the film canister, it's great. Like he's falling all over the place. It's it's tense, but it's also like really well shot, and the action is interesting. Um, thinking about this in comparison to Rush Hour, I was like, this is a far superior buddy cop action movie, yeah. and kind of rings i mean it's not the same as police story but like in the same kind of ilk of like getting the right balance of action and and the comedy working with a great duo right yeah i think mm -hmm. you can tell when you watch rush hour that it's sort of like designed to be a movie that would sell like it's de very derivative right um yeah in the and the way that it's set up whereas i feel like this one was more like I'm going to make a funny movie. Uh, I'm going to make a fun movie and a good movie. Like you can tell that this one is more of like, I don't, I don't want to say passion project, but it isn't like as commercial Hollywood as I think Rush Hour was. For sure. Do either of you remember seeing or ever seen Kiss Kiss Bang Bang? I don't think I've ever seen it. I didn't. No. I, I, I hesitate to necessarily recommend it, but it was definitely like an intro. It was very of its it was a weird movie because it came out in 2005 but it felt like a movie that came out in like 1995 but if you want to get a sense of robert downey jr's comeback that uh that movie preempts or like initiated his comeback into relevance that landed him the iron man role so it's just interesting to watch robert downey jr before iron man it's so hard to get that out of my mind for him because i had no yeah. no other real context of him as a as a giant superstar before he became Iron Man. That's very true. Now that you mention it, I can't think of anything either. Allie McBeal. Don't forget <gasps> Allie right. McBeal. Allie or Mc... as Futurama named it, single female lawyer. <laughs> yes. Good on that. Yeah. I've been rewatching them, you know. Anyway. <laughs> yes. So that about wraps up the uh, the episode. A nice, nice quick jaunt. Mm -hmm. through uh through a good movie um don't know what's next up we have some ideas for some other There's fun rewatches you know what yeah. i want us to rewatch sometime is mm. is highlander have you guys ever watched highlander 
Never. That's a good idea. That's what I said. I hadn't yeah. seen it because we brought it up. I mean, the news yeah. segment was already stuffed with Dalmatian. Well, jokes, we so don't I need Henry Cavill will be in yeah. a, in a uh, Highlander reboot, but I think that'd be a fun. Henry one Cavill will keep doing reboots I've until also... one sticks. <laughs> God damn it! I've also been watching Shadow and Bone, and it's really good. Yeah, so I watched it. It's pretty. It's, it is pretty YA. I'll give it that. Like oh, it's in the, very in the fantasy, but um, I enjoyed it. Yeah, indeed. Seems to be yeah. a real push to like uh, Victorian or or earlier settings for for mm-hmm. fantasy, right? Because it reminded yes. me of uh, Carnival Row. Yeah, that it kept, I was thinking about that as well. Anyway, if there's also watch- there's also Loki that's coming out. Yeah. I think this week. Yeah. Or have either of you watched The Mayor of Eastwood? No. Is that is that worth that, watching? I don't know. I haven't watched it. It's the, one of those. Is that with Kate Winslet? Yeah. It's, yes. I mean, it's, I'm... The, it's the HBO formula of taking an Oscar winning actor, making them like a bit of a schlubby detective yeah. in like a really like backwoods or a small community murder story and being like, have all the Emmys. <laughs> you know, it's it's funny you mentioned that because Kate Winslet was trending on Twitter this morning, and uh, and because of her trending on Twitter and all of the acclaim that she was getting on Twitter, I uh, I added it to the list of things that I want to watch. Oh, there you go. It just brings mm-hmm. back good memories of uh, when we were the HBO specialists for a, a couple of different shows. But That's true. <laughs> if only there was a show good enough to merit it. Nothing. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah. maybe one day. Mm-hmm. But. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Until next time. uh, See you later. Be well, take care, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Mm